Hey, I'm Steve Holland. Thanks for listening. This episode is supported by The Podcast Host, the guys who can help you learn how to start, grow, and even monetize a podcast for your freelance business or hobby. Use the offer code FREELANCE for a special discount. Details at beingfreelance.com. Right now, though, let's find out what it's like being freelance for digital trainer Ben Horsall. If you're thinking about starting a YouTube channel or doing something, I think over planning or holding back from doing it because you're not sure if your content is good enough is, is probably not the way to go. I think you just got to dive in and, and go for it. Now I'm really trying to grow the kind of online teaching because you never know when you might move again, right? So if it's online and it's remote, then it doesn't really matter where in the world you are. So pictures of beaches and rolling waves and days and days of surfing whilst freelance working online are kind of my, my dream. I guess. Yeah, so hope you're well, both in life and work. Chatting to Ben this week, who knows his stuff when it comes to the likes of Photoshop and Final Cut and so on, but doesn't just work with them, he teaches them. More from him in a moment. Just to point you in the direction first, though, of beingfreelance.com and also at beingfreelance on Twitter. If you enjoy, the, I know one of these days I'll pull my finger out and sort out Facebook as well. How many more guests do I have to have on banging on about their Facebook groups and how successful they are before I actually do one? Anyway, uh, if you enjoy these conversations, please do share, spread the word and the love. Uh, that would be awesome. And hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Let's crack on, though, and chat to freelance digital trainer Ben Horsell. Hey, Ben. Hey, Steve. Who, as you can tell, is English, uh, British, but you're not in Britain. Whereabouts are you? I am in uh, Canada. Um, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a surfer, a landlocked surfer in the prairies, which is, <laughs> which is about as far from the ocean as you can get. So, so. whereabouts in Canada are you? Uh, Saskatchewan. So it's... Uh, wow. If you look at Canada and you yep. uh, kind of look along the, the border at the bottom with the US, it's right in the middle between Vancouver and uh, Halifax, Nova Scotia, which are the kind of west and east uh, ports of uh, Canada. Okay. Now, I don't know whether to ask you how on earth you've ended up there or whether maybe that's part of your freelance story. I, I think so. Yeah, I think. Uh, when oh, okay. I, yeah. When I, when I first came to Canada, I'd, I'd just uh, given up a, a full-time uh, senior lecturing job at Leeds uh, Metropolitan University, which is now Leeds Beckett University, I think. So uh, I had to kind of reinvent what I did a little bit. And I managed to pick up some teaching at local colleges and that kind of thing, but it wasn't anything close to being full time. So I ended up doing freelance graphic design, web design, and uh, video teaching, Photoshop teaching, that kind of stuff as well um it wasn't really on the side because there was often more of the corporate teaching and training than there was of the the kind of college teaching and training so i kind of emigrated and then had to to kind of add to my college teaching in order to to ah. buy shoes so here in the uk were you only a teacher if you see what i mean as in you've you you were a teacher for a long time or did you work in graphic design and video before that or uh no i was i was a, a graphic designer and a web designer um and a little bit of freelance from about 1999 to about 2001 so i started off as a freelancer uh 17 years ago and then had a, a kind of uh i guess long hiatus um of, from freelancing um between then and 2012 when i arrived in canada when i 
quit my my day job and uh and got on the boat and and actually well i flew but i i i, <laughs> <laughs> I was fresh off the boat in canada so to speak uh and yeah so that's that's when my freelancing uh started a bit more seriously so what led you to go into canada uh i i married a canadian so <sighs> yeah oh it's a beautiful thing so um okay so so you married a canadian you go to canada you think you'll maybe get teaching work but you don't get enough to you know uh, earn enough money so you also do freelance graphic design and video work on the side yeah yeah pretty In, much pretty much and yeah. that's and that's like 2012 sort of time yeah well more more freelance anything anyone would pay me to do that meant I could push buttons so cool so and and then how has that evolved to where you are today um well I I was in Quebec when I first arrived in Canada uh so we moved uh to a little town in Quebec near where my my wife grew up and unfortunately for what I'm doing a lot of now the kind of online digital teaching for Final Cut Pro and uh kind of online training and that kind of stuff um I couldn't do so much of there because we had a, a wonderful satellite internet connection because we were kind of out <laughs> in the, the boonies. So uh, wow. a, com- a conversation like this uh, would have been virtually impossible. And uh, it was one of those places where you start to stream Netflix and you, you wait longer for the ball spinning in the middle of the Netflix screen than you do watching the movie. So, <laughs> <laughs> so then what happened? You, you thought, well, that's, that's it. It's, it's this or I need to become a fisherman or something. Uh, yeah, there was no fishing there. Uh, well, there was fishing there, but not, uh, not a job. Um, but uh, no, then uh, my wife uh, got a job in Regina um, as a prof at the U- University of Regina. And so I kind of moved again and I kept some of my, my clients from uh, Quebec and Ontario. Um, and, gradually kind of worked my way into the a little bit of the college university teaching here um but then also kind of the the freelance side of things has become much bigger for me since i moved to saskatchewan so it's kind of uh, grown um over the years and and now i'm really trying to grow the the kind of online teaching because you never know when you might move again right so if it's online and it's <laughs> remote then it doesn't really matter where in the world you are so pictures of beaches and rolling waves and uh, days and days of surfing whilst freelance working online are, are kind of my my dream i guess yeah so yeah so you're kind of future-proofing your uh, your offering that's right yeah i mean here's a th- so if we look at your your website you it says video production video editing design training you really do have a huge wealth of things that you offer how how did that kind of grow like did you test things out was it simply uh like how and and how did you find clients um the finding clients thing is uh part accident part word of mouth part uh more and more my website now actually people do uh, get in touch with me through the website more and more but um i used to work in the art school in leeds met and uh there was always a an idea that everything was project driven. So if you could figure out how to do it, even if you didn't know how to do it, you'd say yes and then go ahead and do it anyway um, and kind of figure it out along the way. And uh, this is before the days of uh, YouTube and anything like that, where I, I was the person in the art school running the... So I was a technician uh, before I was a, a teacher um, for about eight, nine years, um, from 2001 to 2008. 2009 I think um so I was the technician in the art school um so art students and graphic design students come up to you with uh any kind of project um that they want to do which was anything from video to 
graphic design to web design. Um, and I was the guy that uh, needed to know how to do it. And so I figured out how to do a lot of stuff that kind of uh, sat across all those different uh, disciplines. So so that's where I kind of had my uh, my foundation in uh, video and graphic design. And um, I was teaching every day. So uh, not teaching in front of a classroom, but teaching one-to-one -one with students and helping them figure out how to use different bits of software. So that's kind of where that that knowledge grew, I guess. And, uh, and, and, and never having the attitude that you couldn't do it, but always kind of just having the attitude that you had to figure it out because there was a, a deadline impending. So... So at first your clients, you know, once you were in Canada were um, by chance, you, you sort of say, but presumably you had to get a bit more, I don't know, proactive about it. Yeah, well, um, I think in the, the small town where I was living when I first was in Quebec, it was the kind of town where everyone knew who you were before you knew who everyone else was. So it was a, a pretty small town and my, my wife had grown up there. So uh, word of mouth spread pretty quickly. So I didn't have to really market what I did um, so much. Um, I just kind of uh, was, you know, it was known uh, that I was there and uh, gradually picked up uh, bits of work over the, the couple of years that I was there. Um, I did contact some of the, the training companies because I'd done a bit of that and I'd done my uh, Final Cut Pro certification, which has long since elapsed. But yeah, so I'd done a lot of that in the UK and managed to persuade a couple of companies in Ottawa that I was a uh, good uh, hire to, to kind of train people. So I'm intrigued. Do you think it helped that you were different to them? You know, as in you were the, the, the Brit amongst the sea of Canadians? Maybe, maybe. I guess, you know, if you uh, had a trainer with an exotic accent come and uh, coach you in a software course, it's suddenly a bit more exciting than uh, someone from down the road, right? So, mm. but yeah, yeah, I'm just wondering if that, yeah, if then people remember you more and, and talk about you more, and you know, uh, I think so, yeah. I think, I think it definitely adds a little bit of extra edge in, in some ways for sure, yeah. So, so how would you br say your sort of time is broken down now? as to what you do work-wise? Extremely inefficiently, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't say that. Uh, um, no, I think, I think uh, it's, it's a juggle for sure because, you know, sometimes the, uh, the kind of more lucrative, um, you know, training sessions that you teach in a classroom definitely um, mean, that, mean that you have to set other projects um, to the side sometimes. And so, you know, that's always kind of, uh, you know, when, when you when you want to do the, the teaching in the classroom, you have to make sure you can keep up with other kind of longer term projects. So that's definitely still a juggle to, to kind of, you know, make sure you keep, keep all your clients happy when the, the, the time pressures for different things are, are there. So, yeah. And then you do online training. So one-on-one -on -one or group training online, right? Yeah. So I do some online training. Um, it, there's no, I don't know the percentage mixture of the different things that I, I do. I haven't kind of ever really figured that out, but that's definitely something that I'm doing more of in the last six months um, or so. I think for a lot of people, they contact me and um, I've kind of become relatively adept at, uh, you know, using keywords or marketing myself through twitter so i get a lot of calls from people in calgary and uh, winnipeg and vancouver asking me if i'll do a you know day long or two day long final cut pro course and you know i 
I'm not there. I'm in Regina, which is like in Canada, it's like a, you know, four day drive to Vancouver or uh, you have to kind of take a three hour flight. But um, so, so I, I get a lot of people that contact me wanting a, a course and then I have to try and sell the, the idea of an online course. And that, that sometimes is still a hard sell. People like to be in a classroom with people still. So, but yeah, it, it's happening more and more. People are, are kind of um, more and more interested in it, I think. If you're teaching software like Photoshop or InDesign or Final Cut Pro, then, you know, you can do a screen share. Um, you can flip it so you can see what the, the student's doing on their screen. And um, you can record the whole thing really easily now, even with video. Um, and that's kind of, I think, only been really good in the last year or two. So they've got an instant kind of record of the the entire class. So that for me is a, um, a great benefit. So I, I find that I can compress the... The, the cost doesn't go down necessarily in terms of the cost of the my time, but it goes down in terms of the um, the amount of time you need to teach them. Because if you're teaching one-to-one -one online with someone, what you would normally do in six hours, you can do it in four hours because you're, you know, you can train faster, you're recording it. So they've got a material to, to review and, and that kind of stuff mm. later on. So that seems to um, be good as well. So, so you mentioned Twitter and you you blog as well don't don't you so, so, so how how do you market yourself online um i think mostly um through my youtube channel um but then that's kind of um you know i mean the web the website is a kind of uh mishmash of my my youtube videos i don't think it's a a very organized blog in the same sense that you know you could kind of go back through and and look at the a logically ordered uh, list of articles that have been printed, but there's there's a lot of kind of tips and tricks of Final Cut Pro and Photoshop in there. So, I I'm not a very good writer, but I'm a pretty good talker, and um, I seem to have the right kind of pace to explain software to people. So that's what I focused on really is making the YouTube videos and and then just trying to disseminate them in uh, different ways. So stuff goes into my WordPress blog, then it gets tweeted from there and um, sent out through I think LinkedIn as well and a couple of other things so it's all based around the YouTube videos for me so making sure they're high quality and then kind of trying to share them in as many places as possible that's great and I suppose that that breaks down the barrier of like people getting to know you and they know you know your stuff uh, as well you know when you're selling yourself as a teacher it's definitely helped yeah I definitely had a, a few people that have hired me um to teach courses in the last six months to a year and they said they they checked me out on my YouTube channel and um so they knew I could teach that was kind of good so I guess I guess it's working and you know it's just a question of keeping fresh content up there all the time that's a challenge so mm. yeah how do you deal with like the the finance side of being freelance um yeah, well, I, I definitely think it helps having a, a partner who has a, a full-time job. <laughs> so <laughs> um, at first I struggled. There was a lot of big kind of dips in, you know, months when you'd have nothing um, in the first mm. year or so when, when you have uh, have no work whatsoever. And so that's that's where a lot of the YouTube videos came in. So when I was kind of twiddling my thumbs, I would just kind of start making them and and put them online and hope that eventually they would make a few pennies or kind of buy me a pizza through the monetization <laughs> through the ads and stuff like that but I think it's uh, it was tough in the first couple of years but I think for me it was 
diversifying things. So making sure I didn't have only one or two clients, which I, I did when I first started out. And that, that was tough. But, um, but definitely having a, a broad range of clients with different kinds of projects that they give you is, is one of the key things to kind of keeping a steady flow. Mm. Yeah. And all of when we're talking about courses, we are talking like one on one or classroom type things. These aren't, you know, because nowadays a lot of courses, when we talk about them, are, um, you know, you work through them online at your own pace or you sign up and you get emailed things. You know, there's there's quite a lot of uh, we've, we've had people on here before, for example, who, who are doing that. That's not what you do, right? Uh, no, I do that as well. Yeah. So, ah, okay. Um, yeah. So. Uh, I have the YouTube channel um, and then I was approached when it first came out by uh, the website that was run by, um, it's owned by Big Stock now, but they just shut down, um, Skill Feed. Um, they, they kind of were one of the first big online kind of micro course websites where you'd literally produce a tutorial that was you know, five, ten minutes long and put it up there and you got paid based on the number of uh, views that it had um, and now mm. I'm quite heavily into producing courses for a, a website called Skillshare and I found that I put a lot of effort into a couple of courses where you know they were kind of these long courses which told you everything about Final Cut Pro or everything about Photoshop I, after a while I realized that people weren't necessarily interested in that they, they like to go on these sites and kind of get one uh, quick 10 or 20 minute tip about how to do a certain thing so um, my focus now on those websites is not the whole course, but more um, a series of short courses. And so with Skillshare, I would pay X amount of dollars or something to do the course, and and that's like video-based online, yeah? Um, well, with the Skillshare classes, uh, there's they've got uh, kind of different entries into the, the classes. So as a teacher, um, I can share enrollments to my classes for free so i can kind of market my classes and um, i could give you links to different classes um, and you would enroll for free or you can play a monthly subscription and access um, their free classes or their uh, kind of premium classes so i kind of do a bit of both do you feel like we've now covered everything that you do i keep i seem to keep like uncovering other things um maybe <laughs> <laughs> in that case let's pause for a moment but still think about online courses because that's one of the things you can do with the podcast host who of course support this show so for example they have a beginner's podcasting course covering planning scripting how to record it how to edit it how to publish it and so on and if you use the offer code freelance you'll save 10%. So check them out, thepodcasthost.com. There's a link from our site as well, beingfreelance.com. Uh, and tell them I said hi. Anyway, back to you, Ben. And I'm wondering, because you seem to have so much going on and we've not even mentioned the fact that you have kids as well. So how do you make the most of your time? Like, how do you stay motivated? Um, I don't know. It's probably, I'm, I'm not sure exactly what the answer to that question is. I'm not sure if I always do stay motivated. <laughs> So. <laughs> that's a nice answer that makes everyone feel a lot better yeah no I'm, I'm not one of these people that, that wakes up and uh you know has to go you know i could i could probably produce a lot more youtube videos than i do if i was very focused but then they wouldn't be the same right so yeah yeah i like, yeah. I like to i like to keep it relaxed so, so it sounds like you've got the the sort of work life balance pretty much figured out maybe maybe, maybe. <laughs> i don't know 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I do have things that I don't do that uh, kind of keep me away from the computer for at least a couple of hours a day. So either my kids or um, swimming or something like that. So Okay, now I always do this thing where I ask for three facts about yourself, make two true, one a lie, and let me figure out the lie. What have you got for me? Okay, so in, in no particular order, the first one is that um, I once was uh, chased away um, with the Leeds Uni rugby team um, when we decided that it was a good idea uh, not to pay for a curry, um, <laughs> which, which ended badly for, for some of the rugby team. Uh, they got caught up by some of the, the waiters and were uh, pretty badly reprimanded, <laughs> i.e. beaten up uh, for, for doing that. Uh, the, the, <laughs> the second fact about myself is that um, at my auntie's... Uh, one of my auntie's birthdays, I'm not going to give her any ages, um, I was uh, playing hide-and-seek uh, in uh, a friend of hers' house who was hosting the party uh, with Catherine Zeta-Jones. <laughs> and the, uh, the, the last uh, fact about myself is that I'm a, a, a master swimmer and I can do 50 metres in about 31 seconds, front crawl. A master swimmer? Is that a technical f- phrase? It is, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. A, it's like a, a master Jedi swimmer. master swimmer, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm qualified. Okay, so you were part of a uh, Leeds Uni rugby team who were chased away from an Indian restaurant, or rather chased after leaving an Indian restaurant without paying. It was a bad move. Uh, you played hide-and-seek with Catherine Zeta-Jones, obviously, when you were kids. Although I quite like the idea of it only being last year. She was, she was much hotter then. You're a charmer. You're a, a master swimmer, Catherine Zeta-Jones. So how old were you when you were playing hide-and-seek with Catherine Zeta-Jones? I think I was about 13 or 14. Hide-and-seek with Catherine Zeta-Jones. When she was going out with John Leslie, he was there too. <laughs> Which, oh my which, god! Which didn't turn out well, but there we go. No, but they did. Okay, you were chased, rugby master. Oh my god! Which one of? I really want the Catherine Zeta Jones one to be true. The fact that you've mentioned John Leslie and that he was a. Uh, I mean, most people listening around the world probably won't know about John Leslie, but he was a TV presenter over here, and he did go out there when they were quite young, wasn't it? But they were. Both on telly. Yeah, I think she was doing the Darling Buds of May at the time. So did John Leslie join in the hide-and-seek, just Catherine Zeta-Jones? I think, I think they were both playing, yeah. I think he was, he was enjoying sitting on a, one of those big kind of uh, loungy chairs drinking whiskey at some point. So Yeah, yeah, because yeah. John Leslie was about seven foot tall and I can't imagine where he would hide. <laughs> <laughs> uh, chased um, in a dungeon. Chased leads uni rugby... Okay. Oh, man, I don't know. <laughs> the rugby team and the waiters... Sounds so true, but so okay. You have never John Liz Catherine Zeta Jones. I want to be true, but I don't think it is. I don't think you've played hide and seek with Catherine Zeta Jones. That that one is absolutely true. Yeah. Oh my god, it is true. Amazing. So what's the lie? Uh, the, the the lie is the rugby team. Oh, so. So you are a master swimmer? I am a master swimmer, yeah. Oh, my God. 
So the Leeds rugby team is the line. Yeah, and there's no way I was ever a good enough rugby player to be in the Leeds Uni rugby team. Which means you did play. Was John Leslie really there? He was, yeah, he was. Oh my God, did you see you played? Oh, amazing. Okay. <laughs> uh, with Catherine Zeta-Jones. Well, well done you. Um, okay, so if you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance, what would it be? Oh, I thought you were going to say about meeting Catherine Zeta-Jones. <laughs> So um, I think uh, she's behind the shed. <laughs> anyway, uh, my younger self, something about being freelance. I think I think one thing that I have done more recently is uh, got a lot more organized in my bookkeeping. I love Google spreadsheets. So I think I think that my, my younger self would benefit a lot from having diversified their freelance career rather than just a. Uh, working for one or two one or two people so i think that's the key is uh think about the ways in which you can diversify without too much extra effort you know and i think i think that's the one of the keys so for me the the thing i do at the moment is to try and make content that can be used in a lot of different places um and monetized in a lot of different places so that's the the key yeah so so like you're creating a course but you're doing it delivering it in many different ways yeah so um you know i I, and i and i love people's questions as well i mean that's why i still love the in classroom teaching and the you know the the teaching one-to-one online because it's those questions that and i think that's where i really develop my skills is i'm really good at solving technical problems that people don't have the patience to solve so um you know, if a good question comes up, then that's the content for my next video. So I kind of rely on that fuel of people asking me what they might think are, you know, annoying questions to me, but actually they're not. They're they're just kind of content for my next next video. So so if I can if I can if I can teach a course, get asked a question, answer that question, and then share the video of that answer, then that's kind of an ideal scenario, and that kind of gets uh, you know, you earn earn the money twice or three times by putting that video (laughs) and it's all marketing it and bringing it back to you again which is great yeah except today actually i was going to talk about this earlier um i and this this may be the the biggest compliment um i think i think i can't remember which rock and roll star said it but they said that you know when somebody copies your music or kind of rips off your music it's kind of the biggest compliment and uh i'm looking at a, a youtube channel today that's ripped off about 10 15 of my youtube videos pretty blatantly so, which is somebody, somebody who's looking for Final Cut Pro tutorials online today messaged me and said, uh, oh, somebody's copied them, uh, some of your videos, here's a link. And uh, they sent me a link to one and then I looked at their YouTube site and there's like 10, 15 videos they've copied of mine. So, Whoa, so do you mean they've actually taken down your video and then just put up their own audio? Or has it still got you on it? Oh, it's still, it's it's still me. Yeah, they've, they've, put, uh, they've kind of uh, put a watermark over the top of it like it's theirs oh my god and, and they've put a little so it's automated i think it must be uh, and they've got a little uh tiny little five second musical intro um at the beginning that kind of brands it as theirs so and there's there's hundreds of them up there it's not just me so but that is just downright theft yeah so yeah, yeah. presumably you can contact google presumably you can contest that right yeah well they do have an automatic thing right but i'm guessing that they that this company must have figured out exactly 
how much you have to adjust the audio, which is what Google looks for in order to not get detected. So they've, they've kind of figured out that. So anyway, for, they've been up there for seven months and they don't have that many hits. So I'm not too worried. I was going to say you would you you seem very relaxed about that as you say it's uh it's kind of flattering yeah, but at the of. same time it's just but it's not it's wrong and get on it yeah, and get I've them got, down I've got mixtapes from when I was younger I'm not you know, <laughs> you know. But, no but you weren't selling them you weren't you you, no, you weren't just I wasn't co- trying to monetize copy. them I was just trying to listen to yeah that's it's yeah man you know you got to protect you protect st- stand up for yourself oh yeah no no you're I've, standing I've, up I've, for everybody else I started going through yeah. the complaints procedure but um yeah jeez you know. <laughs> listen Ben thank you so much um, oh no do you know I did want to just d- d- ask one more question because there's a couple of times you've you've mentioned the you know not relying on a couple of clients so did something particularly happen uh like were you relying on two and then they both disappeared or like what what was the the issue well when i first started freelancing i was working for mostly for one guy in in leeds and um you know, in the end, it worked out well because I uh, got the teaching and the, the kind of job at Leeds Met. But it did mean that if there were ever any, you know, it was a small company. So if there's any kind of small company problems like cash flow things, then it had a direct impact and there was nowhere to, to kind of go from there. So um, I kind of promised myself that when I set out on this journey this time around, that I would be a bit more prudent and make sure that I had a, it's almost like spread betting, I think. <laughs> you know, it's it's kind of as, as crass as that because you know when you're when you're putting a video up on YouTube, you might earn you know in a couple of years you might earn a few hundred bucks from it over a couple of years, or you might earn you know fifty p, or you know fifty cents or whatever. So you you just don't know which ones are going to be successful or not. Yeah. The the other thing as well actually was that I. I, I was producing online videos on Vimeo for a, a lot of years. And this, this is maybe the better bit of advice for my, my younger self. Um, I was producing videos on, on Vimeo for a lot of years and I was at university and it was uh, teaching and it was kind of art school, lefty, you know, sort of, you know, making money out of ads isn't cool sort of thing to do. Um, <laughs> and I had these YouTube videos on there and some of them got hundreds of thousands of views for like little tips on Photoshop or Final Cut Pro that I uploaded. And a lot of it was stuff that I'd done um, in the classroom or whatever. And I just uploaded it to Vimeo thinking, you know, I'm going to give this away for free. And actually, I think if I put it up on YouTube and started a proper channel at that point, it would have been kind of seven years before I'd uh, started doing it where I am now and I'd be you know seven years ahead in terms of followers mm. and that kind of stuff so I think I think for me you know um it's, there's a I don't think everyone's going to be really successful on YouTube instantaneously like if, if that's what you want to do but consistency is important right you, you can if you keep uploading stuff and the content is reasonably good then people will either hire you to do other things or you'll be able to get some ad revenue from it and make a little bit of money the the longer a video is up there you know the the more money it makes and if you look at some of my older videos that are up there for like a two or three years now you know i've got this really bad video on oh, i think it's bad but it's on kind of how to stroke a, a, a path in with a brush in photoshop and it's one of my most popular videos, but it's by no means my best. <laughs> and, but it's just because it's been there for longer that it's kind of got this long tail effect where, you yeah. know, more and more people find it. So, you know, if you're if you're thinking about starting a, a YouTube channel or doing something, I think 
over planning or kind of holding back from doing it because you're not sure if your content is is good enough is is probably not not the way to go i think you just gotta you know dive in and and go for it yeah nice very interesting may you long continue to train rain and uh, and diversify don't forget you can check out links to what ben is up to and all of this kind of stuff at beingfreelance.com uh, reach out to ben follow what he's up to uh, so beingfreelance.com where you can also look at uh, and listen to loads of previous guests subscribe whichever way you listen to this make sure you subscribe so you get the new episodes each week and you can also sign up for our newsletter at beingfreelance.com. But Ben, thanks so much for your time. Send our regards to Canada and all the best being freelance. Thank you very much. Thank you.